so you're you're a bit of a duffer, aren't you? You're a golfer. A which a no. duffer? You not really. I, I golf when I have to. Like I mentioned last week, uh, that's probably my <clears throat> next golf game is the uh, the fundraiser in August. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, we're doing our our Calgary our Calgary Edmonton get together in. Uh, are we going to Lamont or no? Was it Lacombe again? Innisfail. Innisfail. Midway. Yeah, whatever. Somewhere in the midway points, a little bit closer midway. to you guys because there's more of you. Uh, we'll see if you guys hop onto a van again. Those are my next two golf games and probably my last golf games. Actually, in the fundraiser, I'm not even golfing. I'm giving those tickets away to clients. That's nice. <laughs> Just going to help out around the... Unless unless someone drops out, then I have to golf, I guess. Beer cart guy. So, you know, there's lots of mergers and acquisition news that happens in the markets. And I thought that an interesting one that came up, I think at least will be a case study uh, for future business classes, will be this whole live tour live golf and PGA tour sort of uh, amalgamation, which may or may not be approved actually, apparently. But uh, uh, have you followed any of that at all? Won't be approved because they'd have the monopoly on golf. Like they potentially, have <laughs> I guess some antitrust. Yeah. Some antitrust. And now it's international as opposed to just North America. PGA had the monopoly on golf, lost it for a while, and now they're going to have it back. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I don't know what I, I mean, really, I, I, so I listened to a podcast, uh, Tony Kornheiser, and he often uh, alludes to uh, this former NBC executive, uh, Don Olmeyer, and what he said was that the answer to all your questions is money. And, and I guess that sort of answers the question or the reasons as to why, especially maybe related to sports, but uh, with this uh, whole uh, break off and then uh, spin, I don't call it a spin off, but a competitor. And then now they're merging underneath the same umbrella, but nevertheless, billions and billions of dollars. And it's something that I think, uh, those who have been following, um, international soccer, for example, in the, you know, in the English premier league, um, you know, Manchester city, uh, Newcastle, a lot of other, um, even other, you know, other clubs in other countries as well that are getting a lot of money from, uh, kind of SOEs or state operated enterprises or, you know, essentially, um, are non-arm's length of, of certain governments and uh, now it's actually coming a lot more into North America so I don't suspect that the you know the Saudis are going to buy the NHL I don't know how much interest there is in hockey over there but uh, or the global reach perhaps but uh, yeah there's a lot a lot of money in sports these days wasn't someone talking about moving the Winnipeg Jets to Riyadh <laughs> <laughs> probably do better they, there they would uh, get a, a very large franchise fee if they were able to do that <clears throat> Maybe the other owners would actually be a vote in favor for that. Hi, you're listening to the Justin Musings podcast with Justin Lee and Marcus Muse. We're two advisors with CG Wealth Management in Alberta who finish up our weeks connecting over Zoom to discuss the week that was. Any charts or links that we refer to, as well as an archive of past podcasts, can be found on muse.ca slash podcast. Please enjoy our largely unedited and unfiltered discussion for the week. Thanks, Justin. So this week we are talking condos and both Justin and I have some interesting stories to tell from our own experience um, and just some general financial advice around uh, buying them and things to things to consider and things to expect. So, you know, our, our conversations dealing with, like, uh, you know, touching upon personal finance, you know, the, the largest you know, for everybody, the most expensive purchase in, in your life uh, tends to be your primary residence or the decision of that, whether you do purchase one or not. Right. But, you know, it's especially when you're it, buying your first. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, you're coming, um, I don't say relatively fresh out of school, but, you know, at a younger age, typically, and uh, perhaps with other debt. Uh, earlier stage in your career, lower income typically. And, and so now all of a sudden, one of the largest financial decisions you're making in your life is is, is, is there's an expectation that you're going to do something right away now about it, right? Buy versus rent if you're buying, mm-hmm. typically at least the majority of folks in North America and certainly Canada, is that what do you buy? And I think for a lot of folks, um, you know, it kind of ends, ends up being, a, you know, obviously a question about affordability and, and, and some of the more affordable primary residences out there are condos. And, and so that was my first experience. That was my first uh, home purchase was a condo. Uh, yourself? Likewise, yeah. Bought a condo near the peak of the markets back in 2008. But yeah, you talk about a good point, the whole rent versus buy. And I mean, that's been talked about to, to no end. I mean, I'm thinking... Uh, it will continue to be. It, it will continue to be. And that's it is a big decision. You get to that point at whatever point in your life, whether it's while you know, you're still in... You know, still single or when you're married and have a family, do you continue to rent or buy? Um, 
here was my dilemma back in 2008. Uh, about that time, my parents had sold their house, the house mm-hmm. I grew up in. I was renting a place in the city with a couple of uh, old high school friends. And yeah, my career had progressed to the point where I was a financial planner with, with TD. Mm-hmm. Figured I'm going to do that forever. At least I'm going to be in that sort of a role uh, for many, many years probably. So I'm not going to move anywhere else. A few years prior to that, it was still in my mind. Maybe I'll move to Toronto. Maybe there'll be, op- maybe there'll be positions with the bank. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I knew it was going to be there. So I bought a place. Uh, one, to have a place and not have to live with these uh, roommates anymore. Um, and two, uh, just again, because my, uh, my, my parents sold their place. So my father was actually renting in town because he was still, he was kind of semi-retired at the time and working part-time still. So rather than him continuing to rent a place, me renting a place, I bought a condo, had a spare bedroom for him to stay at when he was in town every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I kind of felt a little bit pushed into buying at that time. I would have liked to have rented for a bit longer. Parents also gave me a down payment <laughs> that helped mm-hmm. and also kind of <clears throat> compelled the purchase. Whereas had I waited a bit longer. So 2007 was the absolute peak of real estate prices in Edmonton, probably Calgary too. That was kind of the peak of the uh, pre-financial crisis oil boom. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started looking. And when I was starting to look at that time, you know, I was looking at some condos. The prices were outrageous. Everything was over, like a nice condo was over 300K. Uh, townhouse condo. I looked at one townhouse condo and it had holes in the walls. It was a dump. It was a, a townhouse built in the 1970s, had a renter in it at the time. And they were asking 285 for it. And, and then a nicer, newer, a new build condo came on the market and it, it you know, tickled my fancy. It was over 300, 325K or so. I, uh, I emailed my realtor, can we have a look at that one? And he says, sure. And then emails me back like an hour later and says it went, there was three bids on it, three blind bids that even look at it and it, it had sold. <laughs> and that was when I realized, okay, this market's not for me. And that's why I yeah. sat out for a year. And then 2008, by the time I purchased, things had come down a lot. A lot of these nicer condos that were well over 300K before were mm-hmm. now selling for under, under 300. So I thought it was getting a bit of a discount. I, I ended up buying the place I bought. It was 285. 1,200-ish square foot, nice part of town. And, and yeah, this was a place that probably went for 350 a year before. And it was listed for 300 and I bargained it down to 285 So felt like I got a good deal. So before I go on with my experience, and there's, you know, a part two to this, uh, what was your experience like, your first condo? Ooh. <laughs> Pull out the popcorn. This is a saga. Um, and it, it is one that, for those that have known me for a, a long period of time, uh, does come up periodically in conversation. Um, admittedly, it, it's certainly like any experience, it colors, it is heavily influenced uh, my perspective on uh, particularly in, in Alberta real estate and secondary properties and the whole rent versus buy. Uh, and so, um, you know, we all are a product of our experiences, but I do think mine um, is uh, been replicated in other, in, in other people as well. So that's why I try to bring it up. So I moved to Fort McMurray in the fall of 2003. And the market there, I mean, Wood Buffalo, the region, it was just starting to build up. It was starting to grow. It wasn't quite at the apex of the oil sands industry or like where, you know, it was the, 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 the gold rush, the proverbial gold rush, <clears throat> but it was definitely growing. And uh, <clears throat> when I got up there, the, you know, there's, there was just a total lack of housing. Right, uh, similar refrain that you've heard in other situations and, and other times, but there were there was very difficult to find a place, and so rents were rapidly increasing. And uh, during the first couple of years while I was there, a lot of other young EITs, engineers in training, or, or people just starting off their careers as accountants or you know haul truck drivers or, or whatever, um, they were renting. I knew many people who were renting like five or six people to a house. You know, everyone had a room, had the basement, had the the living room, whatever the case may be. I had friends who uh, together bought places. You know, they were not married couples or, or, or long-term couples. They were just friends or and out of you know, sort of necessity decided to buy a place together. And, you know, that potentially, you know, down the road ended up with all sorts of sort of contractual issues when one decided to leave town or not, right? And, and so in the end, I ended up buying a condo. I, I actually uh, rented a, a room from a place, uh, from, uh, from a colleague uh, for a few months. And then uh, in my search to find a place. So I bought a condo. It was a small apartment style condo. Um, at the time, it was probably about $120,000. And uh, during that winter, that first year and into the summer, yeah, you could actually see, and I'm not really exaggerating, uh, the kids that were slapping this thing up and, uh, you know, put up the wood frame and whatever the case may be. These are not long, you know, journeyman sort of uh, uh, folks that were, uh, were framing and, and building 
uh, building the rest of the building. So nevertheless, $120,000. And uh, I moved into it and I lived there uh, for the next, well, for the entire time I was up in Fort McMurray. So for the next six, it's close to seven years. And almost within the first year, um, there were issues with the building. And mine was the seventh building out of a seven building complex. So there was 168 units in total in this condominium uh, corporation, uh, 24 buildings times seven. And um, you know the other buildings that were already being occupied before I moved into the final uh, phase were already starting to experience some issues. Um, you know your classic uh, construction deficiencies. You know that you know when it was built, the the height. You know the, the you know the lack of qualified trades uh, tradesmen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so from from almost day one, there were issues. And um, I'll get into the details uh, as well. But long story short, um, after about a 20-year saga, uh, the lawsuits and everything that in, that subsequently came out uh, finally just sort of finished up, and, and all the court-ordered sales were have been completed. So. Uh, very much a, a, a not an elephant, but certainly a monkey on my back for half my life, and uh, and like I said, even though I didn't, you know, I, I didn't live there for the full 20 years, but you know, seven years later after I left, you know, the, the situation is still with me, and I actually had a family member live in the place. I didn't sell it at the peak, you know. I talked about buying it for 120, but at the peak of the market, you had a 600 square foot condo that was pulling in 25 or up to 2500 to 3000 dollars a month in rent. And so this thing wow. was going for like at the peak well over three hundred thousand dollars maybe three forty three fifty and and keep that in mind when when i talk about court ordered sale and demolition and all that that you know people bought in at various levels and many many people lost a lot of not just money yep. but it really uh, affected the rest of their lives yeah um and, and you and i we probably we got into that market around the same time you a little bit earlier than me obviously 2003. Mm-hmm. 2004 was the year i actually bought it but yeah that's when he bought it yeah when I took possession, I started in banking in 2005. Was it no 2000? Well, 2006. I was working at a bank branch, and that's when things are really starting to rock and roll in Edmonton. And you'd you'd hear so much of people who bought years previous and suddenly mm-hmm. built up a couple hundred thousand in equity just because mm-hmm. the home value exploded. Mm-hmm. And and I was missing out. And you know, you had people in the oh, bank saying, yeah. you know, the, the the regional sales manager for mortgages was was saying uh, was telling us the story of how. She bought back in the 1970s for $15,000, and now her house is worth 400000 You know, you have to buy. You have to buy now. You have to build your wealth, pay yeah. yourself, uh, build equity, blah, blah, blah. So there's so much compulsion to buy yeah. and uh, so many reasons to buy instead of keeping keep keep renting. And, you know, we, I dealt with a couple of real a-hole uh, landlords, you know, one that uh, not, not really evicted us, just told us he's not renewing our rent because I, I simply in an email said, why do you keep raising the rent every time? Every six months, you keep raising the rent. How dare you? Know, you? And we're, yeah. we're good tenants. We haven't mm-hmm. trashed the place. Like, give us mm-hmm. some credit here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nope, well, this will be the last six-month term, so you're out after six months. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you're talking about construction, and, yeah, there was a lot of that in Alberta, a lot of condos put together really uh, quickly. I've heard the worst of the stories out of Fort McMurray and, and some areas. Um, like I've heard these stories from clients as well. Oh, yeah. I kind of lucked out. Um, you know, the place we I bought was um, was not perfect. Uh, there were certainly some issues. One big fallacy of the whole system of, um, I guess, in Alberta is there is a an Alberta new home warranty type of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. It only lasts for two years, which mm-hmm. is absolutely insane. It should be ten mm-hmm. years. Because nothing goes wrong in the first two years. Things go wrong after, like the time when you realize there's some, some, I guess, shoddy construction is, is after yeah. the two years. Uh, and this is maybe, you know, I'm, I, I'm sounding like uh, someone who wants more government controls or whatever, but protect the consumer and enforce a 10-year uh, warranty on new home construction. But yeah, that was the problem back then was it was hard to find trades. A big issue with condo construction is that there's so many different trades that come together. It's there's not so much a master home builder who oversees everything and, and coordinates. Yes, there are always obviously different trades that are involved, but it's it's a much a bigger operation with trades coming in. One person does this, one person does that. My condo was pretty well built. Of, of all the condos I've heard of with problems, I think it was one of the better quality built condos. But you still had these issues. For example, people who who uh, put in the drywall hammering over top of of, uh, of pipes like the uh, PVC pipes or whatever that were put in. Not into the studs, into the pipes. Exactly, not realizing where those pipes were and hammering nails into them. We find out (laughs) a year or two later when there's a bit of a leak. Uh, Another issue where they installed uh, the HVAC system 
in a way that made it impossible to service it. Mm-hmm. So above each, um, so each condo had sort of a, a closet room, and above that there were some fake ceiling tiles. Above that, there was the HVAC system, which mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. a uh, fan coil. Mm-hmm. And you, every once in a while, you have to replace the filter on these things. Really, you should do that twice a year is what we were telling our condo uh, owners. Mm-hmm. But uh, A, they positioned these things wrongly. Sometimes they were put in backwards so that they were pulling in air kind of the opposite way from where the uh, the air intake was positioned. And other times, pipes and other stuff were put over top of where the filter goes. Mm-hmm. So that... In my case, I was kind of lucky. I just had to sort of pull the pipes a little bit out of the way in order to squish a filter into there. But yeah. in other cases, people had a, pipes completely blocking where you put the filter, and they had to be rebuilt. But anyways, uh, like long story short with my ordeal, I bought near the peak. So like I said, I could have bought more expensive in 2007. I could have bought cheaper in 2014 probably. But in my time, ultimately, I, I saved money versus renting. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was, you know, a decent place to live. I ended up being on the condo board pretty quickly. What happened was right away in my first year there, there was a uh, special assessment. Oh, yeah, and this is something I wanted to mention is when you buy something that's fairly new, something to be aware of, first of all, the condo fees that are quoted are complete BS. They are not the condo fees. <laughs> when, when the builder builds something, they want to sell it. And in order to sell it, they'll usually have a property manager that will work with them in keeping those condo fees low during the selling period. Mm-hmm. Selling period in this case was multiple years. Um, my place was built in 2005-ish, 2006, and I bought my place in 08. I didn't buy from the constructor. I bought from, uh, it was second half, but it was never lived in. Someone who was, who was kind of speculating on it and lost a lot of money too. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were still new units being finished off when I moved in in 2008, and they were being uh, sold off. But anyways, the property manager that initially was hired... So something you have to keep in mind is the builder is the first person who has that control of who do they hire as a property manager. The property manager they hired is a uh, one of the larger property managers in Edmonton. I'm not going to name any names, but uh, they, I think, had a business of being, you know, in good relationship with these builders in helping keeping condo fees as low as possible for as long as possible so they could keep selling their units. And uh, what happened in fall of, oh, when did I move in? 08. So fall of 08. In the spring of 08, the first actual condo board was established of owners before that it was really just a relationship between the builder and the property manager so spring of 08 the first condo board was established by fall of 08 that condo board realizes that the finances were in the negative heavily in the negative Mm -hmm. and uh address this with the property manager and the property manager says okay yeah i guess we'll have to special assess and so (laughs) i got that special assessment and i thought hey i should uh it was a special assessment plus your your fees are going up I thought, hey, I should join the condo board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should mm-hmm. offer to be their treasurer. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that. And, uh, and yeah, it turns out, yeah, the, the, from conversations between the, pro- between the condo board and the property manager, there was a lot of squabbling about we should raise the condo fees. This is not covering all our expenses. Mm-hmm. No, let's keep the condo fees low. We can still make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, mm-hmm. so that special assessment came about. To the future, yeah. Yep. Condo fees back then were maybe about $200 a month. And, you know, if you're the buyer looking at your real estate listing, thinking, not $200 a month, I can afford that. But that does not cover anything. There was no, there's no uh, reserve fund yet at the time. Mm-hmm. It was underinsured. So they insured based mm-hmm. on like 2004 values. Whereas, you know, if the place burned down, I would have been uh, covered for quite a bit less than what I paid for it. And yeah, so, so, and they were, they were not even paying the, uh, the cleaners uh, and, and maintenance and so forth. And so, yeah, those fees had to come out. We fired that property manager right away. Hired a very good property manager, had had him in charge for a good number of years, and yeah, so those are some of those first those first experiences there. And yeah, I was on the property on the uh, condo board for uh, most of my time there, pretty much all but you know one or two years, and they made me president for about half that time. And so I have a lot of uh, a lot of firsthand experience with all the problems that happened, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> and and the problem residents too. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, when you're looking at a strata corp or a condominium corp, you are owning an overall property in conjunction with other people as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of work together and, and share costs, right? And, and this is, these condo fees or these special assessments are, are, are more or less essentially the same thing that come up when you are owning, say, a single detached home, right? Let's say you, the roof leaks or maybe your mm-hmm. water boiler needs repair or maybe you got to rip out the sod or, you know, for whatever reason, right? And so, or hail comes and knocks off the vinyl siding, you know, uh, on the side of your house. These are things that happen and they happen to not only individual uh, um, 
again, single family homes, but also to townhouses, to apartment condos and things of that nature as well. It's just that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a condominium corp, you have to make those decisions um, kind of sort of that fiduciary, like the board of directors mm-hmm. of the condominium corp kind of have to make those decisions a little bit quicker. Whereas if maybe you were an individual homeowner, you might want to push that off or you say, ah, I can live with that stain a little bit longer. Oh, I might not need, you know, full home insurance, but you know, you can't really do that when you're dealing with a, a group of different owners, right? When you have different, multiple different uh, um, uh, voices and, and uh, opinions, right? Yeah, and I used to with every AGM, I did a, a pie chart just showing where did all the money go to, like what, mm-hmm. what of your of your monthly condo fees, where does it go, and how can we compare mm-hmm. that to living in a detached? Yeah. Uh, and that was a big squabble. People complained all the time about those fees going up because they constantly went up. Because first of all, mm-hmm. we had to properly insure the building. Two, we had to pay the various uh, contractors and whatnot, and then eventually we had to start contributing to a reserve fund. That's very important. Yeah. Um, so ultimately. It, it still costs quite a bit less to live in a condo than in, a, sure. uh, in, a, in a detached. Those condo fees, like I mentioned, I started at about $200 a month. By the time I moved out in 2021, I was getting about 500 a month. And uh, you break that down though, 500 a month, 6,000 a year. If you're living in a house, you're spending 6,000 a year on all sorts of stuff probably. That mm-hmm. 500 a month for me was covering my heat and hot water. It was covering mm-hmm. exterior electricity. It was covering the cleaning, maintenance outside, snow shoveling, lawn mowing. Yep. And of course, yep. the, the, about half of it, or close to half, I think, 40% or so, was going into the reserve fund. And that's money that's going to eventually replace, gradually replace the whole condo. And that's something I want to mention <clears> too, is like, what is the value of a condo? You're basically buying open space. It's strata uh, real estate. It's it's a three-dimensional space that you're buying. You You own... You own your finishings, but otherwise you don't own much much else. And you own, you own a share of the, of, the, of the corporation, obviously. You own your yeah. share of the land and the building. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to real estate, over the long term, the value of real estate is really the land. When you, when, you, when you purchase a plot of land and build a house on it, you own that land, and that house is a depreciating asset. The land might appreciate over time, but that house is depreciating over 70 years in which it deteriorates. Mm-hmm. Unless you put money into it occasionally with repairs and renovations and whatnot, then mm-hmm. you're maintaining it. The condo, just the same. The condo is less land, though, and more building. You know, the, the, the sort yes. of plot of land that I owned as part of that condo corp was pretty tiny. Like, it was the size of a phone booth, probably. But uh, uh, the, yep. the, the, the building itself was a $30 million building, roughly. I think that's what it was appraised as. And it was just, you know, gradually depreciating over time unless we put money in via the reserve fund. Eventually, replace the elevators. That's a couple million dollars. Replace the roof. You know, repaint, do this, do that. And that was all built into that reserve fund. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things about a strata corp or condominium is that um, you don't actually get the optionality that like an individual single family dwelling will have, right? So you hear about perhaps in places in Edmonton, I know what's happening, uh, certainly lots of places in Calgary have already gone through it, but the infills, well, they'll take a large full-size lot mm-hmm. and they'll split it into two and then a developer or somebody will build two homes, right? And then you get densification, but also then you get two different properties that you can sell or maybe you um, can turn it into a fourplex and you know, and you have four different owners. And you so the and, and this is, I think, where a lot of property value, you've heard maybe sometimes these stories I've seen cases where, like in, say, downtown Toronto, where, you know, it's literally like a parking lot, right? And it looks like it's worth nothing, but it's actually worth tens of millions of dollars because Mm -hmm. somebody can then take that, you know, rezone it and then put up a 50-story, you know, apartment building on it, right? And so they're more than willing to take over, you know, a small parking lot, a gas station, what have you, you know, and uh, and that, that optionality doesn't necessarily exist with a condominium corp or strata corp because you just can't redevelop that or split it up and build, you know, unless you take down a, a, a 20 store, you know, sorry, um, you know, a 20 unit condo and then put up a, you know, an 80 story or sorry, an 80, 80 unit condo. And then you have to get, you know, and that's less likely to happen. Very less, uh, very yeah. unlikely, a lot more difficult too. Right. Um, but it's not to knock condos in a sense. I mean, then we are knocking it a little bit, but the point is, like, you came, you, yeah, <laughs> but you came out ahead, right? What, what, it, what it's doing is that it's allowing for, I think it's those choices, right? You, everyone needs a place to live, whether you're renting or living. Condominiums tend to be more affordable for people who are younger and are looking to start off in their home ownership. Um, and then I, what I find is some of the, um, where people will tend to stumble uh, with condominiums is that it's, it's the after, because your first home, what just doesn't matter what your dwelling is, is never or highly unlikely to be your final home, right? It's not your dream home. It's your first home. It's your first place, right? And especially if you're young, yeah, if you're younger, you're going to move, you're going to have the optionality or the possibility to move around even just across the street or, or to a new province or to a new city, new country, right? And so it's, it's your first home, not your forever home. That, Go ahead. You bring up an absolutely a crucial point. And I, I tell this to every, every client or client's kid under, under 30. Uh, if you're under 30, don't buy a house don't, or don't buy anything. Uh, don't buy a condo. I mean, I think uh, 
we're probably the gist that we're getting at with this episode is is pretty much don't buy a condo. I think we both have some <laughs> horror, horror stories to tell. But um, again, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on your situation. If, if rent is, yeah. is completely out of control and there is a place to buy, then okay, buy it. But um, what you what you say is a good point because this is the this is the experience I had with condo building uh, in 2008 when I bought. There were lots of people like me, my age, roughly. Uh, buying a few older people that were kind of buying it for the retirement, so their mm -hmm. downsized property, which who I think are the only people that should be buying condos. But all these people buying it as their first home, many of them obviously got married, moved out, you know, started a family, bought a house, et cetera, et cetera, present company excluded. <laughs> but um, you ended up having a building that was mostly rentals then. And, and really, it was, it was bad enough to begin with because back in 2007, a lot of people bought on spec. So mm -hmm. those properties became rentals plus those the other half of the properties that were or maybe the other 60% of properties of those that were owned by single individuals or young couples they ended up becoming rentals or a good chunk of them became rentals as well so you had a building where i think we were at about 55 to 60% rentals and renting brings in the dynamics are different home ownership if you're a owner if you're an owner occupant versus just a renter uh, or a tenant then yes you are likely to treat the doors a little bit differently you're gonna not carry worry so much about the scuff marks or the dents you leave in the wall as you're moving stuff in for example in a condo building it's not about just your property it's about mm -hmm. the common property do you care at all about that common property if you're a renter no you don't mm -hmm. and these are the types of problems we had and i mean i have a whole list of problems that, that occurred over Something. the years um i mean <laughs> one big one for many years was pets which um and this this gets back to the original building when it was built when it was built the condo developer said it was a pet-free building. I think he might, they might have even sold it as adult living only, no kids. Um, mm -hmm. But things, got, things dried up in the market back in 2007, if we recall, 2007, 2008. And in order to sell those final units, they, they had full control. They could change the bylaws. They wrote the bylaws. Basically, the builder mm -hmm. wrote those initial bylaws. Mm -hmm. so that's another big problem with a new build. Uh, once that condo board is, is, is uh, created, established, it needs to redo those bylaws. Talk to a lawyer, get some real bylaws made. Um, so yeah, the builder just simply said, we, we can't sell these units. Okay. Now pets are okay. <laughs> and just willy nilly pets are, pets are allowed. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that created issues because, uh, yeah, obviously, especially renters bringing in pets, um, peeing in the hallways, peeing all over the common property. Again, it's, it's communal living. You're owning a place with multiple other people. When many other places were not pet free or pet, mm -hmm. uh, a pet availability. So we were a building that allowed pets. So a lot of pet owners came to that building. Uh, and then, of course, you have issues with smoking, too. And, you know, smoking is allowed. Of course, you, if you own a unit, you can smoke in it. Uh, but what about common property? Uh, what about balconies? Smoking in a balcony? One dilemma we had as a, as a condo board was, you know, at first it was no smoking on common property. And the balcony is a common property. Uh, even though it's attached to your unit, mm -hmm. it's common property with your exclusive use. So people were then just smoking at the front entrance. And that's much, much worse when everybody's going to one place and the cigarette butts all end up in one area. <laughs> so we said, okay, no smoking there, completely banned. Smoking on balconies, okay. <clears throat> like if you have guests, obviously let them smoke on the balcony instead of sending them to the front entrance. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there's, there's issues. And, and when, you know, when pot was legalized, that created more issues. Of course, you know, someone can smoke in their residence, uh, but if they are incessant smokers of, of cannabis, it creates quite a lot of smell, which permeates other units. And, and yeah, we had an issue with some, some residents where they're like, oh, but it's legal and I'm allowed to smoke on my balcony, but you're smoking there all the time and you're hacking up a lung every time and everyone hears it and everyone smells it, you know, that can't, that can't continue. But yeah, so that was, you know, that was stuff we did over those years. And of course the bylaws was a six year endeavor getting the bylaws updated. No, these are these are all idiosyncrasies that come into play uh, that may, for a first-time buyer, may not be wholly aware of of the potentials of things that may come up. But again, places. I, I, what I find is that again, it, it provides a, a reasonably affordable starting point for people to kind of um, build savings, build some equity. Uh, you know, build that credit rating if you want to do that as well. Talk about that and all that, but just affordability. But I, you know, <clears throat> I talk about that transition because if it's not your first home, it's not your sorry, if it's not your forever home, then what do you end up doing afterwards? You know, when you do, if you end up partnering with somebody and choose to, you know, live together, and whether it's that place or somewhere else, what do you do with it after? And there are lots of grand vision people who have all sorts of visions. So, you know what? I'm gonna and how keep do you that sell property. it? Well, yeah, I'm gonna well, keep like that property you said, and you rent were, it out. You, you had this place for, for 20 years and you weren't <clears> living in it for 20 years, you were renting it out. And, uh, and, and well, things... a caveat to that, actually, I mean, I only it was only uh, occupied after I left for another year and a half or so. 
and then there was an evacuation in the middle of the night <laughs> and they became condemned and then uh, actually all the buildings got torn down about four years after that so what ended up happening was that you know in my case it was just ended up being land and so if i when i do go back to fort mcmurray for visits and stuff i always drive by um your the land spot, uh, by the you still you know, own that land well no it was a court-ordered sale after the fact so i now no longer own a, a, a portion of that land but i do drive by it um for those that are curious it, it's on penn horwood it's, it's across from keanu college it's one of the more infamous properties yeah. uh, in, yeah. in fort mcmurray but um i do drive by just to see you know see it see that part of the lower town site but so yours is a pretty extreme case but you know you're getting that flexibility of uh you know your job takes you elsewhere and and now you how do you sell this place if it's a cold market as it's been in alberta for a long time for condos i'll get into that in a bit here yeah uh, i had several friends co-workers at td who bought around the same time as i did and then they ended up going somewhere else for work, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think to this day, they're still renting out those, those condos that they can't sell. And yeah, so putting your, you put, you're putting yourself into that position when you buy instead of rent. If you rent, you can, it's, you're so flexible. You can get out of that place whenever you want, wherever your job takes you or wherever life takes you, you're, you're out of there. But if you bought mm-hmm. that place, it, it's, it's an anchor, you know? It can be. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a financial, it's a physical and sometimes and psychological anchor, yes. Um, you know, when I did leave Fort McMurray, uh, you know, there were, you know, it was still the mar- housing market, you know, it was, it was, it was, there was always a place you could have, a, you could have a tenant in there uh, of some kind. And so there was income that could have come in monthly. And I think that's the big carrot that people think. So, well, I already have this condo. If I have a rental, right, or so if I have a renter, they can come in, they can pay off the rest of the mortgage, and it's going to start cash flowing free afterwards, uh, above and beyond that after, in, in that case. Um, but then now you're you're a landlord and, and i think for a lot of people um whether you have a property manager or not uh, to deal with it and especially for someone who moved you know 800 kilometers away more or less it's like mm-hmm. it's not really easy to kind of keep tabs of things right and and so the income becomes the carrot that the, the thing that people get starstruck on in some senses but then you know you do come into issues like what if somebody calls you in the middle of the night what and or you know or, or frankly for that matter you over have to you generally have to kind of leverage up lever up even more because if you choose to keep that original first uh property and then you move into somewhere else and you do purchase some of it uh then you're indebting yourself even further and and part of that indebtedness is is required you know to to have it to handle it to manage it you know the stress tests and all is that the, the lender will ask you know is there income coming in to offset that that exists debt and things can happen you can miss a month just between tenants um you know a wildfire I'm, I'm, again i'm going worst case scenarios so fort mcmurray had its more than its fair share of floods natural disasters fires um and and you know we haven't even touched upon the cyclicality of the property market in alberta right we're talking primarily of course in alberta yeah. edmonton calgary fort mcmurray wherever right well i was going to say too like some of the some of the warnings we're giving here regarding uh you know property values and whatnot yeah. they might ring on deaf ears to uh, to the average gta yeah, resident of course if i bought a tr- if only... i bought a condo back in 2003 in toronto held on to it i i, I have yeah. a, probably a very different story to tell right but, um, but, yes. but this this but. could be a foretelling of what could happen in these markets because those are hot markets where people are being very very strongly compelled to buy and they, they could end up in that situation too where they're owning that place for many years can't sell it uh, or end up taking a loss so my, my story the way it ends with the condo is i sold in 2021 to buy a house and i, I so I, me- I mentioned i bought it for 285 uh, i had a mostly had most of the debt on it paid off so it was my equity to purchase a home but uh, i sold it for about 190 and Mm -hmm. uh that's how many years 2008 to 2021 14 years so if you think that property values only go up because you've only seen them go up in your particular market for many Mm -hmm. many years and we had seen them go up quite a lot from you know 1990s to mid 2000s in alberta they don't always go up there it's a it's a risky investment it can go down and you know that is a pretty substantial loss now the way I, i i sort of uh rationalize it to myself is the 100,000 or so 90 something thousand in in losses over that time span was basically what i saved in rent it was basically Mm -hmm. like owning a owning a car that depreciated that much over that time but Mm -hmm. a condo is not an investment it may be for a short period of time over certain i think a home in general a home in general i think a home in general is not an investment no it's a place to live at the end but it should be considered your primary it's your residence right it's 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 not your piggy bank or or, yeah it's not the and don't let anyone tell you don't let anyone tell you it's an investment. Don't let them tell you it is uh, your, your money that you're paying on your mortgage is buying equity or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was having this conversation with, uh, with my mother. The conversation was um, about equity, that, that you're, mm-hmm. the, the equity you're paying on your mortgage. 
<laughs> when you take a loss, that's coming out of the equity. The equity yeah. is what disappears. What you, yeah. if, you're paying, if you're paying your mortgage and your mortgage payments are 50% interest and 50% principal, the principal is not automatically equity. It can go poof when the value goes down. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was my situation there. Uh, I want to touch on one other thing, sort of owning a condo too. Crime was, was also something that came up a lot in my condo building. And okay. there were some stories, uh, there are some stories I can tell there. One nice thing about it being in a condo like this, and I think it, I think this goes for most condos, is all of the crime, 100% of the crime happens in two places, the mailboxes and the parkade, parking garage. Mm. Parkade's a Canadian word, but parking garage. Um, you, you almost don't ever have to worry about your, your actual condo suite being broken into in the night. If someone does mm-hmm. get access to the building, and as a condo board, we were doing everything in our power to, to stop that. You know, we put stronger door enforcement in, we put more cameras in, and all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff. And they always found a way to get into there. And if they get into that parkade in the middle of the night, nobody's down there. They've mm-hmm. got all, all the time in the world to break into win, in, you know, break windows, steal stuff out of cars, and that's mostly what they're doing. Mm. And I was in the southwest Edmonton area where crime rates are generally quite low, but there's still, it was incessant. Break-ins happen constantly, multiple a year. Um, and at the worst, a couple of cars were stolen, carjacked out of there. Uh, there was there was one major break-in that did make the news where uh, they, they, they ended up apprehending the people with a bit of my help with the cameras. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they, stole, they stole several cars and, uh, and, and broke, the, broke into the mailboxes and stole a bunch of stuff. Other crime, <laughs> one, one that was high profile, made the news. The biggest fentanyl bust in Edmonton history at the time uh, happened in my building. There's been bigger ones since, but oh. uh, there was a, an actual multi-week sting operation with uh, Alert. And uh, there was actually a, uh, an armed takedown of this guy who was importing drugs from B.C. And what happened, actually, the, the, longer, the longer side of that story was, again, getting to renters. The original suite was purchased by an older couple who I think were just sort of speculative uh, speculative owners they rented it to their daughter and her friend when they were younger and when they moved out so suddenly they had to when, when the daughter and her friend moved out they had to now rent to the open market and they rented mm. to the first person that came along mm. who was a guy who rented it purely to store drugs <laughs> so not a lot of not a lot of checking was done and of course the rental market was very soft at that oh, time so yeah, okay. hard, hard to even find a renter Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, there's bags and bags of marijuana and and uh, shatter and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, two thousand fentanyl pills and and yeah, it was crazy. You know, yeah, it was in the news, anyways. But I mean, that's that's just sort of a little bit of the the crime that goes on. And I would imagine it's much much worse if you're in like a downtown condo, downtown area condo. It has, I mean, again, like it's a reasonable option. I think for people, right? One other thing I would take a look at as well is that people who are looking to invest and diversify, right? And are looking into say real estate because real estate is kind of one of those pillars of, of, uh, of personal finance. And also what you've heard, we've all heard of people who've seemingly or apparently have done real, you know, well in some form, whether it's because they bought 30 years ago or whatever the case may be. But real estate is, you know, there's there's some truth and it, it resonates when you, they say that, you know, they don't make any more of it, right? Um, but you know, buy an entire apartment building. Yeah, but then the, yeah, yeah, then you have some control. But I always also say mm-hmm. too is that like you know, unlike Toronto or Vancouver, you know, in Alberta, you could basically build as far as the dog runs or or as the eye can see, right? We're not constrained by a lake or a mountain range or an ocean or a border or what what have you, a green belt, what have you, right? It, it's basically land forever until you hit the foot, foothills or the mountains. And so, um, you know, there isn't as much constraint in that sense. Um, but, you know, when you're looking, when people are looking for a, potentially like a secondary property or even a tertiary property to rent out, to manage and to, you know, by themselves, right? Is that, um, you know, not often are they buying another individual, you know, uh, single family dwelling again, right? They're probably looking at townhouses, they're looking at, you know, apartment condos or things of that nature, right? And again, just, because of the management, because the ability to kind of like take care of it locally, right? You also then further concentrate um, assets or, you know, that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm diversifying into a secondary property, into a real estate, you know, as area, mm-hmm. right? Or into that area. But then, you know, for the most part, people within Alberta are gonna buy another property in Alberta, right? And and so then you're just kind of adding more to that same bucket. And again, it may be, it could, it could be another town, well, let's just say another part of the city because it's easier to manage, right? But, um, Again, you know, you can correlate fairly well the price, uh, you know, the, the housing index in Alberta, 
uh, to WTI for that, for example, right? And it's just, it, it's, it's more the exact same thing. When the economy is doing well, the energy price is relatively high, there's inflows of interprovincial migration, immigration from other countries, puts a demand on their real estate, oh, it's attractive. Prices go up, rents go up, all of that. You're just more of the same thing on, you know, it's kind of based off commodities if I want to, you know, drill it down to its core essence in my, in my, uh, uh, in my argument or my perspective. So, um, yeah, I don't knock, you know, real estate ownership, right? I, I've done it. I've, I've learned some lessons on it. I, I, I take those lessons and I try to, you know, advise people on the pros and cons of it. You know, I, I'd probably more likely tell people if you were going to do that to buy, you know, maybe a, a rec property or something in another province that you could actually enjoy and then maybe rent out in the, you know, in the off seasons of that nature, but not in the same city, not in the same province uh, as we're at, just because again, everything is concentrated. So I, I feel like sometimes people look at that, you know, like, oh, we'll pay it off in 20 years, but then, you know, a lot of cycles happen if you need to sell on a down market right you know and any exactly, given rolling yeah. five years in, in alberta right um I, I actually know very few if anybody who's actually come out ahead uh on a on a secondary or at least particularly a condominium uh secondary property i don't know if you have anything else to add to that every market's different and there's these of interesting course. nuances between different types of property as well and i was looking up some numbers uh, this came about after a presentation from someone with uh, CREA at uh, my Rotary Club some months ago or last mm -hmm. year. An interesting stat that was brought up is is about the different valuations of different properties and uh, between different markets. And in Edmonton in particular, maybe in Calgary as well, what the prices tell me is that generally people don't like apartment condos <laughs> or, or even townhouse condos, that there is a there is a, a constant demand for detached single mm -hmm. dwellings, mm -hmm. um, and there's always a less than less than enthusiastic appetite for apartment condos. Mm -hmm. Here's some actual numbers. These are the most recent numbers that I just got off the website before this uh, call. Uh, average detached house in Edmonton, four hundred twenty-five thousand, up six point six percent over the last twelve months. I looked at what it was at the two thousand seven peak, absolute peak at that time. Average detached house is four hundred thousand. It went down after that, but has since mm -hmm. come up. You know, things mm -hmm. are doing better now in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, so if you owned over that time period, you have a nice little uh, nice little gain over uh, over the 14, 15, a little bit of a gain over those 14 years owning a detached. A four savings condo. too, right? Four savings. You'd yeah, and I mean, this is the, that is the ideal. And I mean, if you think about it, that's the type of house, that's what families want. Uh, that's what I ended up buying just because mm. I thought it was a better investment than continuing to own that, that condo. Again, it's not a home isn't an investment, but, you know, if you have this this demographic of, you know, younger people, this baby boom generation or not the baby, boom, the millennial generation is is looking to uh, to sort of, you know, form families, move mm. out of those condos into uh, into detached while the baby boom generation, actually, they're not moving into those condos so much. They're moving to B.C. That's another thing I'll touch on. <laughs> but um, so. Apartment condos. So remember, detached, single detached went from 400,000 to 425 from 2007 to 2023. Okay. Apartment condos at the 2007 peak averaged 200 or median 250,000. Mm -hmm. Today, 170,000. Down pretty substantially, down, down about 3% over the last year. Yeah. Uh, townhouse condos also down almost 8% over the last year. Mm -hmm. There's just not as much demand, and maybe it's maybe the thing is that average income in Alberta is higher than in other places. That that sort of pushes people, and it's a younger population more so that is you know more families rather that are looking specifically Possibly. for that type of dwelling. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the thing that really surprised me in that meeting I was talking about, I looked up the numbers again, is comparing Edmonton to Winnipeg. So I'm not comparing us to Vancouver, Toronto, but a similar mm -hmm. size city. Well, not a similar size, but we're quite a bit bigger, but a similar city, not a super overvalued city. Not the greatest place to go. I mean, both cities are cold in the winter, so there, there's not that huge attraction <laughs> either. So a single detached in Winnipeg is quite a bit cheaper than in Edmonton. Their average is 350000 Yeah. But an apartment condo is quite a bit more, 205000 So that kind of tells huh. me that, you know, there is these, it's probably a difference in demographics, older population yeah. there. That's, that's just a different market. There is a bit more of a demand for those, for those apartment condos. So that's why in Edmonton, I think they're, they're an absolutely terrible investment and, and you should avoid them. Um, interesting thing though, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this with some other clients, also thinking about my parents. My parents are living in a detached in the Okanagan yeah. uh, area, and uh, which has obviously gone up quite a lot over the years. And there, I'm constantly hearing about people, the roughly their age, boomer aged, who are getting to the point, or maybe they're thinking about it in the next 10 years, where they're gonna downsize from that detached, go into yeah. a townhouse or apartment. Mm -hmm. That's an area where I think I think they would do pretty well. I think you'd do pretty well owning an apartment condo there if they're not already insanely overvalued to begin with. Mm -hmm. But 
that's an area where there's probably a demand for that. Maybe single detached is not the place to be if you're living in those in those areas. Hmm. But anyways, some prices, uh, some prices I looked up. And of course, Calgary's, do you, do you know what things are like in Calgary these days? Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter what city you go to, people like talking about real estate, right? So uh, yeah. there seems to be a, a tight market, but I think a lot, a lot, you know, of course, again, we talked a little of the themes of uh, interprovincial migration and whatnot, but also just the shortage of supply. I think that, and I think that's a theme that I've heard elsewhere is that, is that? yeah, uh, just, you know, building it, uh, building homes as quickly as, as they would like to. Um, I know there's uh, initiatives to try to convert um, some, um, some unoccupied uh, downtown office uh, properties into- I saw that, uh, yeah condominium type things and you know they're in the early stages uh, of that uh, but it's seemingly it's moving along but you know the the re-engineering of that uh, is not easy it takes time and um, what that ends up invariably doing is just again um, further adds more inventory to uh, a sector of the uh, of the property uh, a particular type of property that uh, probably already has a fair amount of supply but suffice yeah, to I was say about that condos in Calgary I wonder if there's a bit more demand for them there's probably I mean, especially downtown area, because there's more of a, an mm. urban professional po- population that works downtown. I mean, all those uh, those new towers near the Saddle Dome there, and that towards that direction, mm-hmm. are they usually pretty? Are they pretty full, or are they mostly empty still? Uh, anecdotally, I should double check and see, but uh, I mean, as, you know, they're being occupied in some form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's a lower than uh, expected rent. All right, or just need a tenant in there to help cover some cash flow or some expenses, or people have bought uh, and decided that oh, I, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I, I can't move. I'm not at the point in my life that I'm thinking about moving, or maybe I just enjoy the lifestyle, right? And and yep. so, um, yes, they're, they're you know there's still construction that's happening uh, here and there. Uh, projects that are going to completion, like a, like I said, conversions that are starting to occur. Yeah, so there might be some demand for those conversions, then, eh? Possibly, possibly, right? But from what I gather, I mean, it's spring, summer now, right? This is sort of the, the real kick of, of, of property season, moving season and such, especially mm-hmm. when the kids are out of school. Uh, we'll see a lot more uh, units uh, are switching possession. But uh, I think the demand is still there for uh, you know, single family uh, type uh, individual homes as opposed to the apartment style. Townhomes are a little bit different too, right? But in short, I think, yeah, um, it again, has its place. Uh, and it worked for, you know, in some form, it provided you and I and others uh, at that stage in life places to, to live and stay. But again, it's not our forever home. Uh, and, and I think people need to uh, take that into consideration is that if you're going to mm-hmm. be there, do you want to be there for two years, five years, 10 years? Uh, and then if that's the case, then maybe that, that certainly should affect what the, your, your decisions on buying versus renting. And also, if you do choose to buy, what type of property, right, for that matter? I. I thank my lucky stars the first time I tried to sell my condo when it was still worth something. <laughs> I had it listed for a little bit more than what I purchased it for back in. I forget what year it was, yeah. 2000, maybe 2014. So when I started working for Canaccord downtown here, my, my vision was to buy a condo downtown and be able to walk to work. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I couldn't sell my condo <laughs> because if I had bought downtown, I would have bought it at a premium back then. Mm. And uh, it looks like nowadays uh, downtown does not carry that premium anymore. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of empty mm-hmm. condos. Uh, like the new towers built in the ice district. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing better now, but I've, you know, over the years I've heard they had trouble filling them. And sure. Edmonton downtown is not a place I'd want to live nowadays. Anyways, okay. leave it at that. <laughs> I like living in the suburbs where I do and taking the bus in with uh, uh, the nice Strathcona County transit bus that goes straight to downtown. So refer that to living downtown. I, uh, yeah, I live, for, I live myself within walking distance to the downtown core here in Calgary. Um, it is a, um, and, and that nice. sort of lifestyle. Yeah, I, I would not be able to afford that sort of, uh, that sort of equivalent to a home, certainly in, uh, in Vancouver, Toronto, all of that, that for that matter, right? So there, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's, everyone's lives and situations are a little bit different and such, right? But um, again, I think uh, within, at least again, in my, my opinion is that, you know, within Alberta, the cyclicality of this province and also just kind of the, uh, the availability of land, uh, the, you know, and, and developers and continue to develop uh, that, uh, you know, take a serious consideration, you know, and, and really, you know, sharpen your pencils and, and do that math as to, you know, what type of initial property you choose to live in, uh, the style of which, and then if you do choose to, um, if you do invariably move on to an, another location afterwards or another property afterwards, what you do with that first property. And I think for most people, you know, like a lot of things, it's just kind of like move on, right? Don't carry another property unless you absolutely have to. Uh, and, and for most people, I think if they're moving into a larger home, um, they've got other things in their lives that they'd rather worry about than a, than a, a secondary property with a potential tenant, right? Yep. Usually it's a dog or a, a kid or something of that nature that <laughs> those things that come into play too, so. And that's an interesting, if we can just digress back to uh, interesting stories in the condo is, 
yeah, this is something when we were when we were drafting the uh, condo bylaws, you know, talking about can we make this kid free? Because you know, nothing against kids. But, I mean, you, sh- you should not be raising kids in a two-bedroom condo, anyways. And, it's a and there reality are... in Vancouver, Toronto, right? people are doing it. <laughs> well, they got to do it. New York, know, elsewhere, right? So that's the thing. You know, it's a different reality in different countries. So we had one of the issues we had over the, the my final couple of years there uh, was an issue with a family um, who come from a different country, um, not Europe, not not North America, more Middle East. Uh, where it's a lot more normal to raise kids in, the, in an apartment. And, you know, you probably have apartment buildings uh, where uh, there's kids running around in the hallways and that's kind of normal life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not normal life here. And you can't have your kids mm-hmm. running around the hallway as they were. And, um, and you can't just put them on your balcony when they're noisy because that's heard by everyone else and other things. And the, the crazy thing is this, uh, this couple, uh, not only did they move in with two kids, they had two more while they lived there. <laughs> they had them all living in one bedroom. And, like, those types of things, you know... Um, it, 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 again, those are the little little issues you deal with when you're on a condo board, and um, it's just not okay for a condo. And yeah, we were fighting to make it um, adult only, basically. Uh, yeah. But that again, that just kind of goes against some other, I guess, some other <laughs> some other laws. You have to be grandfathered in, anyways, if you want an adult only condo. One maybe similar situation I would say is in Fort Mac because these homes were being rented out to multiple people, night shift, day shift, basement, whatever, multiple suites, right? Is that um, parking, that was the one thing. You, you'd have a, a residential neighborhood uh, that had, call it 20 homes, but actually had, you know, the equivalent of like 40 different vehicle or 40 different houses or vehicles, right? So there's no parking and things like that. But again, whether that's a condo or individual place, it, it, it goes to show that, you know, there's issues in, in various different types of, of residences, whether it's a, you know, uh, a high-rise tower, a short, a small, short, you know, townhouse-type condo, Stratocorp, suburbia, residential. I, I bet you there's more grow-ups in, in the suburbs than there are in downtown Calgary, <laughs> for that matter, right? So can't really uh, grow a whole lot in, in a small studio apartment, so. We had our we had our uh, speculation of, uh, you know, when there were some times when our condo power bill was, was a lot higher than it should have been. We kind of wondered, is there uh, is someone, have, oh, yeah. is someone running a grow-up and maybe has a plug Bitcoin mining? Uh, oh, what they're Bitcoin mining? Maybe they're doing and that, the, You know, that's the funny that thing. That's yeah. that's how times changed. Back in 2008, when we had high power bills, that was the, mm-hmm. the, the worry was, you know, is someone uh, running a grow-up and maybe is running the power from central power? Mm-hmm. And then uh, in later years, yeah, is someone running a crypto mining or something? <laughs> End of the day, um, I think we can settle on... Uh, you know, think about it. Like, don't just don't just buy. Like, you know, just because everyone tells you, or just because you know rent is getting too expensive. You really got to think about these things. People lose. People can lose money in real estate, and they can lose a lot more than money. Uh, I saw relationships uh, implode because of my experience up in Fort McMurray. I, I saw bankruptcies. I heard of bankruptcies. I should say. Um, I heard careers uh, destroyed uh, because of it, and and just uh, and and you know, worst case scenarios, just like uh, you know, personal health and all of that that just went away right and, mm-hmm. and and so there's a lot of things that can come in you, you can lose a lot more than just money but know that you can certainly lose money in real estate for sure and just because the market is hot right now when you're buying it it's not always going to be yeah in fact probably that's the worst time to buy when your market is hot buy that condo off me uh, two years ago that's you know <laughs> a huge discount that was a good buy whoever bought that they're gonna do okay and i'm happy for them they got a nice discount that was also a young couple that bought good and when they sell it they'll probably make a bit of a gain on it so good for them good Good for them. There's a market. That's why there's a market, right? Excellent. We'll leave it at that. Sure thing. All right. Have a great weekend. Any views discussed in this podcast are those of the presenters or any guests, and not necessarily those of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views expressed are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial circumstances, or general need of any individual organization or institution. Investing in equities is not guaranteed, values change frequently, and past performance is not an indicator of future performance. Investors cannot invest directly in an index. Index returns do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about anything discussed in this podcast. CG Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investor Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.